Alrighty, Helega Chevra, Bezer Hashem. So incredible to be able to see you, to be able to learn with you and from you and together with you, to be able to explore the teachings of Rabbi Nachman Brasler's What a privilege. We have an amazing, amazing learning tonight. Really powerful, very important. And Mirosh, we're asking the Master of the World for Siyat Rishmaya, that we should be able to channel the schus of the Rebbe, of the Tzaddik, and of all the Tzaddikim, whose words are kalul and nichlal in the words of Rabbi Nachman's Chus to be able to examine and explore this very, very interesting sugya of shikha and the importance of forgetfulness as a tool in our Avodah Hashem. So I'm going to share my screen. I hope that everybody's doing well and that everyone had a very powerful and uh, an even beautiful Tisha of such a thing, especially from the perspective of Hasidus. Okay, so let's jump into it. I know that I need this very badly, and so I hope that you'll join me in learning Rabbi Nachman's words together. So we're going to start first with Sicha Saran Chafhei, which is not a great deal to talk about here. I'm sure there's an incredible amount of depth, but it's just seemingly a standalone concept that's going to feed into the idea of Shikha that's spoken about in Chavav, but primarily we're going to be focused on Chavav, which is lengthier, as well as very nuanced and a lot of different micro-teachings all included within this one longer teaching. Okay, so let's first see Sichas Ran Chavhei, and the Rebbe says the following. With regard to the machshavos, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep on interrupting to try to let people in. I have to be more discerning because the last couple of times there were chevra coming in who we didn't want, who were in chevra, <laughs> we didn't really want coming in. Okay, so I'm going to try to examine this a little bit more carefully. Okay, so the inin machshavos says they had With regard to thoughts in the mind, who pelagadol, it's mamash a wonder. It's a total wonder. Ugdulas habayri is barach. Shimai. And more than a wonder, he says it really screams the greatness of a Baruchu. Eich hamachshavos munachim b'mayach chavilas chavilas. The way in which the thoughts in our mind, particularly memories, but all thoughts which become memories, are all bundled together in many kinds of bundles. Chavilas, chavilas, harbe, many kinds of independent bundles and associative bundles of, of thoughts and memories. Ma'oid, elu al elu. And each of these bundles has a relationship with all of the other bundles in the sense that they're all ordered with regard to a person's life and what the person has experienced over the expanse of how many years and how frequently a person accesses certain memories vis-a-vis others as we're going to see. When a person needs some bit of information, a person needs to recall a name or a place or a date or some kind of circumstantial, um, some kind of, 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 of circumstantial or anecdotal or even primary uh, point of, of, of memory or information, says the Rebbe, Without any conscious effort of like, you know, haphazardly or going through, you know, a big pile of items to sort of get to something at the bottom to look for something and a huge pile of things, effortlessly, all of the bundles and all of this structure of thoughts and memories reshift and Mamela, the mind is able to draw out that piece of information that a person has. And Rabbi Nachman says it's a pella. It's a total wonder. Because where exactly in existence was this thought until now? 
it was buried very, very, very deep in our subconscious, but it wasn't so distant to the point that when I needed to remember it, I wasn't easily able to simply go ahead and to bring it into my consciousness, which is a, which is a wonder. That means to say that people can go for years, five, ten years. I know I had this experience just recently. You can go for a long period of time without even like thinking of thinking of thinking of something. Something random, some little bit of information that you once knew that this person was related to that. Some, something that you never, you know, you heard one time and it became buried under all of these bundles and it's gone. And then, pitom, without any effort, a person is able to go ahead and to retrieve this piece of information when needed. Where was it until now? Where was it hanging out? Where in existence was this? Not just in existence of the world, but within our inner world. How many parts of us are there that we're completely not even aware exist, but are not within us in the manner that they can be accessed with difficulty, but with ease they can be accessed. And I think that that's why Rabbi Nachman is speaking about this, in addition to pointing us to a very common human function that screams the greatness of God if a person has eyes open to that, which of course it is. But I think that Rabbi Nachman is sort of using this as a muscle, as a parable, or more than that, as an analogy for all of the other aspects of our inner world that are similarly accessible, similarly not accessed enough, but that can be easily accessed if we simply use this model and apply it to other character strengths, apply it to other aspects of our emotional uh, capabilities and capacities and so on and so forth. But here Ibn Ahmed is focusing on that analogy. We'll get back to that in a minute. Where was this thing until now? And this is true, actually, in accordance with modern uh, psychology. It's interesting that the study, is, it's more psycho psychological than neurological, the study of memory, believe it or not. But this is true, and they've, they've done an incredible amount of empirical study with regard to how memory works. They didn't really scratch the surface, of course. But it does work in this way of associative memory. Where conscious memories, as opposed to subconscious memories that sort of, or some conscious thoughts that are constantly working within every aspect of our engagement with life, a person's driving a car, there's so much that's going on, but it's going on in the subconscious that subconsciously we check our mirrors and we check the rearview mirror and we make sure that our seatbelt is on and all of these different things. But ultimately, but ultimately, Rabbi Nachman says this amazing thing that there are signs. There are different associative signs and links between the thoughts that exist within the consciousness as many different bundles, and they're all bundled together by virtue of their associations with one another. And when a person thinks about one thing, because you went to a place and there was a certain song playing or there was a certain smell. Smell is very, very connected to memory. There's a certain smell and it brings you back to a memory that, of an experience of years and years, sometimes decades ago. When that happens, because you encountered something that triggered that association with that memory, like we said, we extract or retrieve this memory from all of these bundles of memories. 
out of all of these bundles of memories that are stacked and that are stored within the subconscious mind, when a person does this and retrieves this memory, you know what happens? Everything else is affected as well. Because all of our thoughts are connected by way of association. And when a person retrieves one memory, that means much like a person goes into a supermarket and there's a whole pile of things. You pull out one thing, it's going to affect the entire pile. Hopefully it won't fall all over the place, but even if it, it'll shift, right? And that's what happens psychologically as well because of the associations. When you manipulate one element of this system, it's like turning a little cog and the whole system moves. Everything shifts. Rabbi Nachman says it's very similar to what we find in a physical sense. When a person will retrieve one item out of a bundle of things, what will happen? Everything will turn over. So there are two interesting things in this piece. There are really three things that we can extract from this small teaching, and I want to go further into Chavav, into Sichas around 26, which is going to be the bulk of tonight's session. All with the help of the master of the world, what a privilege to be able to learn these teachings with you. But I want to focus on three elements here. The first element, which we mentioned in brief, is the idea that from the most mundane functionality of what it means to be a human being, if a person has the right eyes, a person can be able to see God's greatness from something that we don't even think about primarily because it's a subconscious process. So certainly those things that we do think about and can think about. I was just walking to shul a couple of minutes ago. There was a woman walking in front of me whose, whose feet were incredibly swollen. And she was walking with a limp. And I was wondering, you know, what's going on with her? And I mean, her feet were literally I mean, terrible. You know, and I just, it was an opportunity for me to look up at HaKadosh Baruch and I said verbally, thank you Hashem for my feet. Thank you Hashem that I can walk, you know. And this is a conscious thing. This is something that's within our own eyes that we can look down at our feet, at our hands and look, you know, at our eyes through the process of seeing and to be able to thank Hashem for them. But Rabbi Nachman is saying even this, that's a subconscious process we don't even think about is perhaps more incredible than those things that we do often think about but still relegate to nature, right? Or the natural functionality of the human being. These are pluim. These are wonders. And this can give us a little bit of that confidence and that strength when a person feels abandoned and a person feels as if, you know, where, where is God in my life, you know? Like the Katsukarabi said, where is God wherever you let him in? And sometimes we just need to focus on those elements of our lives in which God is already in. It's not a matter of us letting him the very nature of our being and the very fact that we exist as human beings, we've already let him in. He's already there. And so when a person focuses on such a thing and the next time you remember something from decades ago, you're like, how did I, like, where was that? Remember, Rabbi Nachman told you this is a doorway to God. And like the Pasuk says, Su'u marom doesn't simply mean lift your eyes on high, look up, like it means deeper than that. Su'u marom Hasidic masters wanted very, very much that a Jew should live life with an elevated eyesight. Not simply to be looking up, that's also true. But to live life with an elevated eyesight, to be able to look at things that another human being would look at, and it was just, you know, just natural, nature, normal, nothing astounding, and to be able to utilize that as a little, you know, shot of, of, of joy and wonder and, and, and awareness of God. That's, that's point number one. Point number two, 
is like I mentioned before, Rabbi Nachman is using this as an analogy. There are things, there are memories that, that we're able to bring into our consciousness that exist, that exist all the time. And we don't know where they are, but they're very much a part of us. They're in nobody else's brain. They're in us, but they're so deeply buried that unless something's going to trigger it or associate or, right, or, or, or enable us to retrieve it through an association, we'll never know that it's there. And Rabbi Nachman is using this as an analogy for so many other things with regard to what we're capable of on so many levels. There are parts of us that are walking with us all the time, that are part and parcel of what it is <clears throat> that we represent in this world. And they're not so difficult to access. Much like this, they're very easily accessible. That's point number two. I would say point number three is that it's fascinating that Rabbi Nachman is the one to speak about this kind of associative, um, you know, bundles of concepts and thoughts because this is the, the benchmark of Rabbi Nachman's Torah, right? In Lakut Maran, which is like we described in the beginning of this series, is more Rabbi Nachman's classroom as opposed to the class trip where he's communicating to us, you know, in a more sort of... Uh, uh, more sort of nonchalant, you know, way or in that kind of setting. But in, in, in the Kutimran, all of Rabbi Nachman's lessons are founded on these associative concepts, words, ideas, bundles of them to the point that when a person remembers one element, that's able to, you know, to, 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 to introduce him to a whole new cluster of thought. And all the clusters are connected to the extent that Rabbi Yaakov Meir Shechter, one of the current leaders of Breslov Hasidus, Rabbi Yaakov Meir says that the whole Lukut is one long story. It's one long thing. All of the different, there are 411 lessons across two volumes. Rabbi Yaakov Meir says it's all, it's all one. And when a person is able to understand, like Rabbi Nachman said, there's no one who understands one lesson if you don't know all of the lessons backward and forward. When a person understands that, then a person knows this gigantic cluster and the way in which all of the clusters uh, associate with one another, interact with one another. And so it's pretty fascinating that Ibn Ahmed himself is describing you know, the, the, the nature of what his Torah is in and of itself. Okay, so that's Sichasran Chafhei. It's a good thing to remember. It's a good thing to remember. Okay? So here Ibn Ahmed says like this, Sichasran Chavav. This is a very important teaching. Fascinatingly enough, this teaching is all about what? All about forgetfulness. The previous teaching is all about remembering. This teaching is all about forgetfulness. And this also goes very deeply into what we've said many times in the past and the way in which Rabbi Nachman is balanced. Always, always, always Rabbi Nachman strives for the balance. And whenever he speaks about one idea, he's going to bring the flip side of it and he's going to highlight the benefits of either and both because Rabbi Nachman is that place of MS. And MS, like we've described again many times in the past, is Aleph, the first letter in the Aleph base, Mem, the middle letter of the Aleph base, and Taf, the last letter of the Aleph base. It's a, it's a conjugation between Chesed and Gvura that results in Tiferes, which is Yaakov Avinu, which is MS, and therefore it contains the whole spectrum. And a broad-minded person is able to understand, okay, there's a way in which two truths can function together. What do I need at this time, in this way, and so on and so forth. So Rabbi Nachman first speaks about the maila of memory. Now he speaks about the benefits of forgetfulness. Rabbi Nachman says like this, by the rest of the world, forgetfulness is a horrible thing in their eyes. Horrible thing to forget. For Rabbi Nachman said, in my eyes, there's an incredible benefit to this capacity to forget. Why? 
Because if a Jew was never able to forget anything, it would be simply impossible to move on and to accomplish anything in one service of God and about Hashem. Why? Because a person would be completely debilitated, weighed down by the memories of those lesser moments, of those lapses, of those times when a person wasn't in what we call mochem the godless, more of an expanded consciousness. Those times when a person failed, those times when a person fell. If a person would remember all of the transgressions, if a person would remember all of the rebellious acts, or not really rebellious, but this slip into a lower mode of being, a person would never be able to lift himself up with any sort of feeling of confidence to be able to accomplish anything. And beyond that, beyond Avodah Hashem, all of the things in which a person may have done wrong outside the context of Avodah Hashem, business deals that didn't go the way that a person expected them to, uh, bad investments, relationship troubles, choices that a person made that adversely affected one's life, a person wouldn't be able to move on. They would, they would confuse, they would, they, would, they would confound the person. Everything that a person's gone through and that a person has experienced. But Rabbi Nachman says, through utilizing this capacity in a conscious way, not just that you happen to forget, to consciously forget, to utilize that capacity that we have within us to actually consciously forget something. I know it sounds like a paradox, right? But there's a way of doing this. And what, what it means is to move on. To, to simply move on. We have that capacity. We might remember it, right, because we can't force ourselves to forget. On the contrary, the more that we try to forget something, the more we're going to remember, maybe to forget it, but it's not going to be wiped out of our memory. We're supposed to forget, we're, we're supposed to wipe out the memory of Amalek. How do we do that? Specifically through remembering to wipe them out. You can't just, you know, there's no such thing as simply choosing to forget something and actively trying to forget it, but moving on. Understanding that this capacity of forgetfulness enables us to detach from what was and to move into a brighter future, untethered to the failures of the past. A person is able to forget. And, and he can forget what was. says Rabbi Nassim. You know how Rabbi Nachman lived life. Whatever had happened to him, was gone. Whatever he experienced, whatever he went through, he never brought himself back into that mode of thinking to consider, did I do the right thing? Did I not do the right thing? Done, finished, boom, moved on. Weiter, as they say in Yiddish. He went on. The He did not allow himself to become confused with this. Any further with what had already passed. The Indian Zen says, Rabbanus, in this kind of lifestyle, who this kind of approach is going to be very, very useful and helpful in one service of God. Because in accordance with what's naturally and normally experienced or commonly experienced, a person has so much confusion in his life. Specifically, a person stands up to Davin and specifically at that time, 
all of the different confusions, all the different things that a person experienced, memories, and they grab the person's mind and they lead it astray from what the person should be focusing on, which is the given moment that we're living in this moment itself. Business things, mundane obligations, paying the bills. Or a person says, oh, you know, I didn't act properly in this and this thing, and I could have done that, and it turned out. He should have done something else. More insidiously, the Yetzar attacks a person at the time of learning davening with those Averis that a person committed. And the Yetzar comes to tell a person, who do you think you are? That you think that you're going to be able to serve God, to daven, to learn? Look at what you've done. You didn't act properly with regard to your relationship with Hashem. So much that we go through. Every person knows what that is. It is a very good piece of advice to move on. And again, of course, this does not mean to preclude tshuva, which will necessitate a person to remember very, very specifically, vidui is not just generally. A person is supposed to be mefaret, literally get into the specifics of what I did to talk about it from an objective standpoint removed from that place and then revisit the folly from a more subjectively mochen the godless perspective to really go into it and say, oh my gosh, what a fool I was. Not simply to talk about the generality of what I did, but to go into specifics. So a person needs to have that remembrance, and perhaps that's what Rabbi Nachman made reference to as a prelude to this piece in the previous point, that don't worry, you can move on, but all of those things will be there when you need them. You know, maybe that's also the, you know, as a way of a hakdama to this, because you're going to need to remember all of those elements. It's a very necessary part of tshuva. But not so that those details and those elements and those experiences should withhold you going forward in your Avodah Hashem outside the context of the Avodah Hashem that's associated with those Averos, right? That's the point here. The point here again, and that's what I said, that Rabbi Nachman is both. Rabbi Nachman is everything. Rabbi Nachman is showing us the beauty of all of these different standpoints in the aspect of the Maila of forgetfulness and the aspect of the Maila of Remembering, the question is when and in what way? And of a year, Ibn Achman is drawing a very mighty distinction between positive memories that are necessary for tshuva at the right time, in the right mindset, in the appropriate place, and so on and so forth, as we'll learn from the Balatanya of Ezra Shem in a moment. And between those kinds of memories that are going to cause a person to become debilitated to the point that a person is not able to move on in a healthy way. So that's what that's Rabbi Nassim says here, based on Rabbi Nachman. Al-Kain again, therefore, ha-shikha hi It's a very, very good advice. Once something happened already, yavir. Push it out of your consciousness. Push it out of your conscious thought and move on. There's no use worrying. There's no use Overthinking, as we're going to see from Rabbi Nassim, what Rabbi Nachman called Ibertrachten, overthinking, there's no use. 
It's done. It's finished. There's no use worrying. There's no use. And, and like we always say, what's Rabbi Nachman all about? What's Breslov all about? Tachlis. What's the princess all about? Tachlis. Malchus. Tachlis. The ultimate purpose. And a person has to ask themselves all the time, what's the purpose here? Okay, granted, much of our lives are lived in a state of mochen de katnas where we're not able to, you know, to think in that sort of way and we act very um, impulsively in certain areas. But when a person is in a, in a, in a more broad-minded state and a person can develop that broad-minded state so that it's more and more accessible to a person, more and more frequently until the person is living in that way. And that's what the tzaddikim lived in a state of mochen de godless all the time. They had their own mochen de katnas on their level, but by and large, they were the conscious, right? That often eludes us. When a person is in that broad-minded state, the question is, what's the tachlis of this? Is this going to bring me closer to God or away from God? Is this the Yitzhar Tov or is this the Yitzhahara dressing up like the Yitzhar Tov, much like Esav, the Saroshel Esav, the Gemara tells us, dressed up like a Talmud Chacham when he battled Yaakov Avinu. It wasn't this fiery demon battling with a holy bearded Jew. It was two bearded Jews fighting with one another, believe it or not. And one was Yaakov Avinu and one was Mamash the, the Sitrach or the, the Satan. And the reason Chazal tell us that is because so often those voices within that, that, that purport to speak in the name of the Yitzhar of the Yitzhar Tov is actually Mamish the Satan. How do we discern? We have to ask ourselves, what's the tachlis of this? Where is this going to bring me? What's the function of this right now? Is this the right time? Is this the right place? Am I in the right state to do tshuva in a healthy way? Or is this going to drag me down and prevent me from moving forward? That's the question. Right, Yasiyach Daitim is the line before. And Rabbi Nachman would remove his mind from this. Legamri, Velo Yaschalach Shav Oid Bemachshav to be in Zen, he wouldn't think of it. Klal, Vahavana Davar Hatev, Rabbi Nachman says, Remember this well, Kyu, Davar Gadoma Oid, it's a very big thing. It's a very important thing, the Isavis Svarim, and it's brought in the holy works. Shebishvil Zenit and Ashikha, listen to this, this is so beautiful and amazing. That this is why Shikha was given to Am Yisrael. It's a gift. Not just because of what we said before, but there's another benefit to forgetfulness, and that is that in a person's learning and in a person's discovering ideas in Yiddishkeit, the words of Torah that are so when a person forgets, then every time he learns something, even though he learned it 10 times already, it has the same preciousness and sweetness as if you learned it the first time. Because through forgetfulness, when a person goes back and revisits that sugya and gemara and halacha, when a person revisits that Torah from the Teferis Shlom or something, a person revisits something that he learned, whatever he already learned, it's going to be as new, and it's going to give him pleasure, and it's going to be wonderful for him. And Rabbi Nachman says that it's based on Chazal, there's a medrash. Rabbi Nachman says that there's a parable for this. To a person who learns and forgets what he learns, which is, of course, a common experience. And people get very frustrated by this. They feel as if I'm not making, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, covering ground. I'm not making progress. Says the Heliger Rebbe that the mashal, the parable for this is a person hires people to fill barrels with water. And the barrels have holes in them. And therefore, whatever they pour into the barrels, goes outside. 
So the fools think to themselves, If everything's being, you know, is pouring out of the barrels as soon as we pour them in, what's the function of us trying to fill these barrels? But the wise person says, What does it matter to me that the water is spilling out? He pays me for a day's worth of pouring water into barrels. It's not going to become lessened by this, that there's less water in the barrels than he expected. That's not part of the contract. He asked me to pour water into the barrels. Makes no difference how much water stays in the barrels. He has hired me on a contract to do this. What does it matter to me if it spills out? And of course... The nimshal for this is, and the moral of this parable or analogy, is that same question of, of what's the point here? What's the tachlis? If the purpose is that a person should become a tremendous Tamil Chacham and a person should be able to have all of these you know, incredible things that a person could remember and give over, and if that's the point, so then, yeah, it's going to be frustrating. But if the point is that, Rabbanu Shalom, you commanded us to learn, you gave us a Torah that's going to purify us, it's going to sanctify us by virtue of our engagement with it, irrespective of how much stays with us, and that my connection with you is not dependent on how much I retain, but it's dependent on how conscious I am of the connectivity between you and me when I am learning, when I am engaged in the pouring of water in Mayim al Torah. The water is, of course, a reference to Torah that is pouring through me. And that whether or not the water stays within me, it is sanctifying me as it passes through me. And I'm connecting to you. And the schar, if you want to talk about schar, which the Hasidic masters don't often talk about, but if you want to speak about that, I'm getting rewarded irrespective, again, of whether or not I remember. So says Rabbi Nachman Kach, it's the same thing. I'm sorry, even though a person's forgetting, don't worry. The person's schar, the person's reward, but of course the reward is much deeper than what I'm getting in Olam Haba. It's the reward of an experience of God and of godliness in my life to upgrade my mode of thinking and my mode, like we spoke about before, to develop an elevated way of looking at life and the world. That's not uh, detracted from. And he continues and he says, Veda, and a person should also know, that in the future when a person goes up after 120, we should all live long and happy, and should uh, be already. We shouldn't we shouldn't have that experience at all. But La said at a certain point in the future, they're going to remind you of everything that you learned. Afim Shachach. Even if a person forgot it. And deeper than that, people who study the words of truth, and they don't understand the word, which is so often people, uh, you know, the experience of, of many people, not just you know, with regard to other tzaddikim, specifically Rabbi Nachman. When the neshama leaves the body after 120, then... All of that which we found difficult or impossible to grasp will be easily accessible. The primary Torah is for the soul. And any lack of understanding comes from physicality, whatever that is, limitations of the body, limitations of cognitive capacities, and so on and so forth. But the soul on its own is, a, is, is, is an understa- deeply understanding and wise being. 
that emerges from God's Chachma. And therefore, in the world in which the body is left behind, like we've learned in the previous pieces, and a person exists in Olam Haba as a soul on its own, everything that a person learned and forgot, or everything that a person learned and couldn't understand, will be easily understood and accessible. Everything a person learned will be reminded of in the next world. Fortunate is the one that spends their days engaged in Torah and Avodah. That's a, that's a shining beacon of what it was that God had in mind when HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted that Jews should live with, uh, with, 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 with lives that are not lived behind the cages of Halacha, but on the contrary, lives that are glorified, lives that are dignified, lives that are to be able to stand very, very strong and firm and proud against a culture that's very antithetical to a lot of our values, to be able to stand up and to be able to show the world how beautiful it is and how much we rejoice in every element of our respective uh, obligations, opportunities, gifts. Okay, so let's jump into these teachings over here with the last uh, half hour or so, 20 minutes or so that we have left. So the first teaching is from Reb Nassim Elikuti Alachas. Mamish, such a beautiful, beautiful teaching. I'm so excited to learn this with you. Reb Nassim says like this. This is Elikuti Alachas Hilcha Sefer Torah Halacha Hey, and Reb Nassim says like this. V'zevachin Asim Hatorah V'haschalas Abachol Shana V'shana. This is the understanding of the Torah's end, the way in which we are Messiahim the Torah the way in which we finish our reading of the Torah and Simcha's Torah, and then the immediate commencement of the Torah, which of course these two things go back to back, chasen Torah, to finish the Torah, chasen Bereshis, to begin the Torah, how do we end the Torah, how do we begin it? And he says, of course, the process begins with Rosh Hashanah, which, of course, we're already beginning to prepare ourselves for. Rabbi Nachman's whole thing was Rosh Hashanah, Malchus of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to be able to reveal godliness within the world, within our lives. And then Simchas Torah is when the process culminates. Because in the weeks of Elul, of Tishrei, the beginning of Tishrei, we're learning about the end of the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu is commanding in Sefer Devarim, which, by the way, corresponds to the last Hey, Yud Kevavke. It's, it's the level of Malchus, which is why it doesn't have anything new, because Malchus is like the moon. It doesn't have a light of its own. And that's why the fifth Chelek of the Torah, which is Sefer Devarim, is associated with the last Hey of Yud Kevavke, which is associated with the sphere of Malchus, and therefore is only reflective of that which is already presented in the first four books. And that's why the letters Yud Kevavke are four letters with the little thorn on top of the Yud. It's a fifth element, and so the fifth book is going to be associated with the sphere of Malchus. That's the last letter, hey, of Yudke Vavke. But all of that is leading up to Simchas Torah, until we finish, and again, we immediately commence. Because Simchas Torah, which is the end of Sukkot, is the end of a long Kabbalistic process that begins with Rosh Hashanah and then continues into the Aseris Mechuvah until Yom Kippur, and then the four days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, and then the seven days of Sukkot, all the way until Simchas Torah, Shemini Atzeres. That's the culmination of a long process. It's not separate Chagim, the high holidays. It's one 
holiday. It's one progression, specifically Kabbalistically, when a person understands what Rosh Hashanah is, what I, I hope is, or some of the years to come, we'll, we'll be able to delve into this. Rav Nassim has incredible Torahs on this. But it's all one process. So it culminates on Simchas Torah. Nigmar HaTikun, whatever Kabbalistic rectification we are engaged with that begins Rosh Hashanah, ends on Simchas Torah. Shehizchabar Rosh Hashanah. Ve'ikar HaTikun, who, what is the primary Tikun? Chevra, what is it? What is the rectification? We can speak Kabbalistically, but Tachlis, how does it manifest in our lives? Says Rabbi Nassim, very simple. Tzirichem L'salik HaMochen Shemikvar U'lahaschel Mechadash. You know what it is? It's a rebirth, Hayom Haras Olam. Of course, there are particularities of, uh, without getting into the, the, the depth of it, right? But Binyan HaMalchus, there's an Asira that takes place where Malchus is cut off from Zeir Anpin and it's made into its own parts of it. It's, it's very complex and detailed. But at the crux of it is, is that each year we should be reborn. And if we're living life correctly, and all of us are, but certainly on a conscious level, if a person merits every year, we're reborn into a higher state of being, into a new element of our spiritual striving. That it's not just the same thing again and again, but every year it's something fresh. But that's the tikkun. To let go of what we were and to walk into Rosh Hashanah and believe that we can become different. We can become better. We can become more connected to our source. This takes place every day on a micro level. That's why one of the reasons that's brought in the Rishonim for why we wash our hands in the morning because we're called a Beria Chadash. Every morning we wake up, like I often say from the Zohar Kaddish, the Pasuk that says, Vayashkim Lavan Baboker, that Lavan woke up in the morning, but it can also mean Vayashkim Lavan Baboker. When a person wakes up in the morning, he wakes up Lavan, he wakes up white, he wakes up clean, he wakes up refined. And that's the Indian of the Tilas Yadayim to sort of, um, to sort of pr- uh, prepare or be Mechanech to initiate the beginning of a new entity, of a new way of being. So that's true every day. Right? So he says, Certainly that's true of every day. Imagine every year, the beginning of the year. Our whole tefillah. Help us be new. Help us be fresh. And Abihir Rabbanasan says something so interesting because usually we think about Chadesh Aleinu Shana Tova. What's the primary element of that Bakasha? Is the Shana Tova part. Now we're asking God, Rabbanu Shalom, give me a new, give me a good year. But it says Rabbanasan, no, no, the, the Shana Tova is an accessory of the Chadesh Aleinu. That's what we're asking God. Not so much, Rabbanu Shalom, give me a new, good, a good, a good new year. No, we're asking Kaddish Baruch Rabbanu Shalom, let me start fresh. And that will be a good year. But the Iker is Chadesh. Chadesh will lead to the Shana Tova. We're asking Kaddish Baruch Hu, give me a brand new existence. Every year is a new thing. It's a new mode of being. It's a new way of living. We're drawing on that futuristic song that is going to renew the world. Our Rebbe Nachman delineates in Torah Ches and Tinyana, the final lesson that he ever gave. We're drawing 
drawing on that song that's going to renew existence. That happens every year. is constantly performing wonders. We spoke about God's wonders before constantly. But the primary renewal begins from Rosh Hashanah. Because Rosh Hashanah is the only Chag where we find a new year. Well, obviously, it's the beginning of the year, but it's the only Chag that falls out on a Rosh Chodesh as well. And so it's the head of, of new. It's the, it's the new Chodesh. It's the new moon. The moon is, of course, Malchus. It's the new year. It's a fresh start. Says that on Rosh Hashanah we're drawing down a brand new mentality, a brand new consciousness, a brand new way of thinking. For the next year, fresh. That will enable us to tap into this aspect of renewal we've spoken about in the past in this series. That that's why Rosh Hashanah phenomenally has two days because that's the message of Rosh Hashanah. What do you mean two days? Rosh Hashanah is the beginning. How do you have two beginnings? But that's the point. The point is, is that from the, from the energy that a person merits to bring into his or her, or her soul on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, that teaches us how to begin anew, even a second time, even a thousand times. Because that means that we brought into our hearts that energy of renewal. And Rabbi Nassim says that Rosh Hashanah gives us the ability to draw into our hearts this holy forgetfulness consciously, to let go of those things in the past that nothing should draw me away from God. To forget these things. That's associated with the who says, I forgot that also. There's an element of forgetting. There's an element of forgetting even the, the, the root of all sin. Listen to this, it's brilliant. Do you know where Shikha came into the world? Where did Chazal tell us Shikha, forgetfulness, came from? It came from Moshe Rabbeinu breaking the Luchas. When he came down after the Chet Egel and he saw what was going on in his fury and his anger, he threw the Luchas to the ground and he shattered them and he broke them. And Chazal say, at that moment, before that, nobody forgot anything. I don't know what exactly that meant. I don't know, you know how that impacted relationships and, you know, and other elements of, uh, of, of life. But ultimately, that, that's where Shikha came from. Maybe specifically the forgetfulness of Torah, I don't know. But that's where Bashik Khalaolam, forgetfulness came into the world. Says Rav Nasan. Rav Nasan says, You think that that was a curse? You think that this element was Mamish, that, that Moshe Rabbeinu broke the Luchas and that brought something into existence that is a, is a problem? However, give me one second because I'm getting a call and I. And I Oh, it was, it was from a Rebbe, or no, I, I don't want to keep him waiting, but okay, I guess I'll call him back afterwards, I missed it. But, but so, see, he says, you think it was a curse that Moshe Rebbe broke the Luchas, he was so angry, and forgetfulness came into the world. He says it was conscious. The breaking of the Luchas and the forgetfulness that came into the world through that was itself the tikkun for the Chete Egel. It's amazing. It's not that Moshe Rabbeinu, out of his anger, seeing what was going on, broke the luchas, forgetfulness came into the world. It was a d- disaster. Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, Chevra, you're going to need this. You're gonna, after this, you're going to need this. And he did them a favor. Listen to this. 
כדי שיוכל כל אחד לסלק מויכה ודייתה בכל פעם. מוישה רבינו did this consciously so that each and every person would be able to consciously enter this experience of השגיח ולסלק מדייתה לגמרי כל מה שעבר so that each and every individual would be able to set aside all of those things that a person was guilty of. So that a person can start fresh without being weighed down and debilitated by the past. That a person will be able to begin again. You know how we end the Torah? How do we end the Torah? With the words, What's that a reference to? This, that Moshe Rabbeinu broke the luchas in front of all of Am Yisrael. What does Rashi tell us? HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe, Thank you for breaking the luchas. That's how we end the Torah, which is the culmination of the Tikkun that begins on Rosh Hashanah. That's all about renewal. And then, And then we start fresh with the creation, with the renewal. In the beginning, God created the world. This is the primary culmination and the pinnacle of the tshuva process that begins with Rosh Chodesh Elul, leads us through Rosh Hashanah, leads us through Yom Kippur, leads us through Sukkot Tshuva Me'ava, all the way to Simchas Torah is encapsulated within our ending the Torah with the breaking of the Luchas and our immediate beginning with Bereshis Bara. Elohim es HaShamayim V'Sarat Kizeh Ikra Tshuva Shemam Shichem Echol Shana Bereshis Shana V'Asar to begin fresh right? what we just read on Eicha that maybe the process even begins from Eicha to begin fresh let me start again like I never started like I never lived let me be reborn this is the time period the time period of tshuva the time period of renewal we end the Torah and we start the Torah our our finishing completing the Torah on Simcha's Torah, and then beginning the Torah anew is itself the culmination of the process of beginning a new year and letting go of the old year. And that's this incredible interaction between the Pasuk Le'eni Kol Yisrael that talks about forgetfulness, and then we move into Bereshis Bara, because Reb Nassim says the deepest thing, there is no way that you can move into a Bereshis Bara, into a Rosh Hashanah, into a new year, without the element of Yasher Kochach Hoshashi Barta, Le'ene Kol Yisrael. Thank you for breaking the Luchas. Isn't that incredible? I mean, this is just, it's, it's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful, beautiful idea. This interaction between these two psukim that are back to back, primarily and specifically the beginning of a year to enable us to let go of what was, Le'ene Kol Yisrael, and move into a Bereshis Bara, move into a new creation and a new beginning. He says, and therefore each person, needs to do this as well. Let go of what was and start fresh. What was, was. Of course, tshuva is necessary. But in terms of how we're able to start fresh, mamish, each moment is something new. Every split second, God is recreating the world. It's fresh. Let go. Let go of it. Don't let 
let the past hold you down. You're not chained to it. It's a dimayon. It's not the words of the Yitzhar Tov. It's the words of the Yitzhar. Let go of it. And every person needs to do this. To complete that element, to move on. It's because there are three different parallel universes within existence. Olam, Shana Nefesh, we speak about this often as well. There's the aspect of space, which is Olam. There's the aspect of Shana, which is time. There's the aspect of Nefesh, of the human ego, of our own experience in this world. And all of these are bound up one with the other. And all of these draw on the Torah. Now that's the essence of existence, that the world was created with the Torah. That means time was created with the Torah, space was created with the Torah, and the human identity was created with the Torah, each of whom are a letter in the Torah. So everything, everything is going to be bound up with what we're doing with the Torah. And therefore, everything is renewed. Listen to this. Everything is renewed. So this is encapsulated within the finishing and the completing of the Torah with to let go and forget consciously. That's the primary tshuva. That's the primary rectification of the Yamim Noraim and Sukkos. He says, you know what the Aaron contained? It couldn't just contain the whole Luchas. It had to contain both. Because there's one iron rule. You cannot have the Luchas without Shivri Luchas. You cannot have an experience of the holistic, full, complete, shining element of Mochen the Gadlas without consciously experiencing the shikha that comes as a result of the shivri luchas. These two were put together. These two were in the aron together. The complete luchas are the aspect of remembering. You have to remember the Torah. The Torah is passed on ishmi Ish. It's very important. Not one letter is different in a Sefer Torah. It's been for thousands of years to remember. That's the luchas. The shivri luchas and mechina shikha. A Jew has to know when to remember. A Jew has to know when to forget. And both are put in the holiest item, in the holiest object in, in existence, in the holiest place. Because it's going to be impossible to remember the Torah in the sense of being able to live it for, for in a perpetual sense, to be able to give it on to the next generation, and so on and so forth in whatever capacity. The only way to do that is if you're going to know the secret of the Shivrei Luchas, if you're going to know the secret of how to, 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 uh, to actually go ahead and experience this forgetfulness. Not to allow the memory which we need in a holy sense, that's what Rebbe hints to over here, both with regard to Torah study, but of course a person should try to remember, and of course that's the Ikra, Rebbe makes that clear in other places. The point is not, oh, you know, like the mashal before, just pour in all the water and don't even make any attempt at remembering. Of course we should try to remember what we can. goes without saying. But in this natural experience of forgetfulness and in the capacity to consciously forget where it's going to aid our forward-moving progress, we need this aspect of shikha. 
A person has to always balance the two. Everything's a balance. In Breslov, everything's a balance. Attention. Like a person needs to remember everything. Forgetfulness also has its place. There are many things that a person needs to consciously move on from. So they should not hold us back. That's the Indian of Rosh Hashanah that culminates in Simchas Torah, the reading of Le'enikal Yisrael to finish the Torah, the Siyum, the Shikha that comes from Shivri Luchas. Forget that element and then move on to the renewal of Bereshis Baralokim, which is, of course, again, the culmination of the beginning of the year and the beginning of our new mode of existence for a new, for a new year. I don't think we're going to have time to finish the rest of the sources. I guess we'll start next week's shir um, with, uh, with the Tanya. But let's see Rabbi Nassan over here for the last five minutes that we have left. In Alam Latrufa, these are letters that Rabbi Nassan wrote to his son primarily. There are other letters in there as well. But primarily to his son, Rabbi Yitzhak, with whom he was extremely, extremely close. And Rabbi Nassan says like this, Basi la'arercha. I came to talk to you about this that you always write to me. Because you're always thinking, you're always uh, contemplating every single aspect and element of your life with calculations and sophisticated thinking. And that causes you many problems and many confusions because you're so you know, busy thinking and considering and over-considering and overthinking. I came to tell you because this itself is a question on you. Who asked you to feel the need always to overthink? Adarabba. He warned us very much not to overthink. And he said very clearly, this thing that people feel the need to just spend so much time thinking and overthinking, even with regard to things that passed and things that were done, mistakes that were made or situations that are finished, to overthink. And that casts a person into a negative place. The says if you already became accustomed to this kind of living and this mode of being, he says, don't you know you're dealing with a problem which is itself only a symptom of a deeper problem, you know, and you can go to the core and just try to develop this kind of living, which Rabbi Nachman in another place associates with with patience. And, 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 you know, not with this very intense way of needing to consider every single angle, every single thing, to overthink, specifically with regard to things of the past. To break this. Move away your mind from it. You made a decision. Go with it. Don't be thinking a thousand times. Did I do the right thing? Did I do the wrong thing? What would have been if I would have... Leave it. Leave it. It's not going to help you. We don't live life backward. We live life forward thinking, forward moving. Let go. Negative thoughts for sure. A person needs to escape them. And this doesn't just mean impure thoughts, but this is also going to mean, wow, two for the price of one over there, give out. <laughs> 
So, so he says, and it's not just negative thoughts, but he says even it's mamish thoughts of anxiety or thoughts of negative, you know, self-loathing and things like this. Move on. Put those aside. It's mamish the satan. You're not essentially a person that lacks the capacity to go ahead and have confidence, to go ahead and to move forward. On the contrary, like we learned previously in the piece from Chav Hay, there are so many capabilities that we have as human beings that are mamish already a part of us, despite the fact that we've never met them. And with very, very um, delicate tools that are given to us, with ease, we're able to tap into those elements, rewire our way of thinking, reframe certain elements, train ourselves to think in a different way, primarily by reshifting our goals and our ideals and understanding what life is about, what the ideal Jew looks like, what a Hashem is for, what it means to be a good Jew, what it means, and so on and so forth, and that will enable us to go ahead and succeed in all of these areas to tap into those latent potential parts of ourselves that are very, very holy and that are very, uh, that are very strong and filled with whatever tools we need to, 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 uh, to, to achieve our potential. Simply to forget whatever we have gone through. And to believe in the schus of Rabbi Nachman, with whom we are privileged to have a connection, that everything will turn around for the good. There's no use worrying. There's no use overthinking. Leave it. Whatever was in the past was in the past. Focus on the future. Focus on the next step. Focus on renewal. Every day is fresh. Every year is fresh. Every moment. We're brand new. Hamachadish betuve, like we said, bechol yom tamid. Not just every day, tamid. Every split second. Rakhazak v'yamatz. Encourage yourself. Take strength and utilize this capacity of holy forgetfulness that Moshe Rabbeinu knew that after the Chayte Egal, Am Yisrael needed this as their antidote. Am Yisrael needed the ability to forget in a way of conscious letting go and moving on, not to let this drag me down. I need to do tshuva, I'll do tshuva. I'll remember those elements for the sake of vidui. But the very next moment to go ahead and to serve God, like one of the tzaddikim said, I think it was her Pinchas Karitzer, that any Jew that cannot perform the worst aveir in the world, or Rahman al-Atzlan, a Jew who has performed, or slips into uh, the worst thing, and can't daven a mincha five minutes later filled with passion has not stepped on the threshold of chasidas. That's where Pinchas Karts, I believe it was where Pinchas Karts said. And that's a very powerful statement. And that's really what this whole thing is about. That's what chasidas is. Every moment is fresh. We are not our actions. We are not shamed by our behaviors. We are deeper than that. We are essentially holy. We are essentially good. We want to serve a Kaddish Baruch Hu in a state of normalcy and sanity. We fall into certain pockets of insanity, what Chazal referred to as the Ruach Shtus, the spirit of folly. But essentially, our Mincha five minutes later stands independent and irrespective of anything that we did five minutes earlier. Of course, a person has to be on guard, and with this we'll finish, a person has to be on guard to make sure that these ideas aren't taken to the negative extreme to the point in which a person can do whatever he wants and then simply to you know set it aside and then serve God and then okay you know accommodate all of those elements of Moch and the Katnas. of course that's true and that's the, that's true of any chizuk whether it be from Rabbi Nachman whether it be from any of the tzaddikim whether it be from Chazal the Chazal gave incredibly encouraging statements the purpose is of course again not to try to school a system not to try to uh, corrupt 
or to, or, or, or to try to take advantage of certain ideas and fool God and fool ourselves. We want to be good. We want to do the right thing. We want to access tools that are going to help us grow closer to our Kaddish Baruch Hu and in a way of health, balance, broad-mindedness, nuanced thinking, and the ability to weigh, like Rabbi Nassim says, different elements to know what I need at different times to bring me close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, these are some very, very important tools. Siyat HaDashmai, we should be able to make use of them and to indeed start fresh every day, every moment, let go of what was. It's not chaining you down. And Mamish, to engage in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's love through his mitzvot, through his Torah, every split second of every day, irrespective of what the past uh, held. Okay, so Baruch Hashem, I think we accomplished a lot. We still have these beautiful teachings from the Tanya, a Medrash, Kohelas, and a very important teaching from the Shevet Musar, which we will begin with Be'ezer Hashem next week as we move into the, the next piece from Rabbi Nachman and Sichas Ran. Okay, so for now, I just want to thank each and every one of you for joining, for learning. Like I always say, there's a special divine uh, flow of blessing that comes down specifically in proportion to those souls that are part of the learning. And so it's really all of you, it's all of us, Ashrein. What a privilege to learn these things together and looking forward to continuing next week with Siyat Rishmaya. Okay, so good to see you guys. Hope you're having the most amazing good summer. Time. Thank you so much. Rabiol, all the Chev, Rabin Thank you so much. We're looking forward to seeing you back in your Shalai, Hashem, all of you. Okay, we'll be in touch, Chev. Thank you so, so much.